When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. To No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are back to recap the Titans' second win in a row, this one against the Indianapolis Colts. Guys, welcome in. It was a good win for the Titans, and I'll start us off with this, which was sort of my Big takeaway from this game. It was very messy. Certainly was not the cleanest win in the world. But they beat the Colts. The Colts are 0-3 now. And the Titans have a firm grasp on the lead in the AFC South with two cupcakes coming up on the schedule in the Jets, who we'll get to momentarily, and the Jacksonville Jaguars after that. So I don't really care how they want it. It's a division game. Those are always close. You can throw the record book out in those games. I, I've been very firm on that stance for years. Um, but also, like, if not for a couple of fluky plays, a Chester Rogers drop and a Nick Westbrook-Kakina fumble, Titans win that game by three scores. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I, I, this is a solid win. Like, I, I feel good uh, uh, about this win. Uh, and what it means for the Titans going forward. Uh, we talked a little bit uh, in the preview uh, going up to this game that we thought if the Titans win this game, the division is like close, to, close to over. Even though there there are so much, so many games left and so many things can happen, but you put the Colts at zero three with the Texans and Jaguars looking as poor as they have uh, for the last couple of weeks. Like you're in the driver's seat for the division. Uh, and that's exactly what the Titans did. No, it wasn't clean by any means. But I think that's also a positive because it means that if they just stop turning the ball over and stop making uh, these mistakes that, that you know, take points away from them and give points to the other teams, like they can be one of the best teams in the NFL. And there's a lot of meat left on the bone. Uh, at least that's the feeling I have going forward. So, Overall, uh, an encouraging win, and like you said, a division game doesn't matter how you win as long as you win it, but I think they won rather convincingly at the end. Yeah, other than past trauma making us think that it was going to end up close because that's what all Colts-Titans games have done for the last 10 years, it seems like, at least the ones where the Titans end up winning, there really wasn't a time where there should have ever been any doubt who was going to win. Like, I don't think the Titans trailed at all at any point. I only think they were tied for a little at seven to seven, I think at one point early. And then 
after that, I think it was all Titans, if I remember correctly. But yeah, like, I don't know. It's it's frustrating to see the same mistakes kind of happen over and over, but for different people to make them. Um, there, there's a bunch of positives and negatives, but just in an overview sort of sentiment, I, I mean, it's good. It's good that Vrabel got his first win at home against the Colts. It's good to beat the Colts. It's good to show up in a spot where traditionally the Titans have had so many chances, uh, you know, going back to when the franchise first came to Tennessee, where you're like, okay, if they win this game, they'll be up two games on an AFC South rival and, you know, they'll put distance between them and they'll really start off the season right, only to lose a game they shouldn't. Like, it's it's good exactly. to be exactly right. Yeah, and it's... And it's good to be complaining about a win. Like I, we all know what it was like complaining after the week one loss, where it felt like, oh, you know, this is going to be a long year if they don't figure it out. It looks like they figured it out. They just need to fine tune the execution, which is what most most teams use preseason for. But you know, they're shaking off the rust and doing better. Any any time they can get a win, be happy as sort of a emotional final. There were certainly, as I mentioned some bad things to come out of this game, particularly on the injury front. We'll get to that in due course. However, I want to highlight two players who really stood out to me as big positives from this win for the Titans. Because obviously, as you mentioned, Will, it was huge for purposes of the division and setting the course for the rest of the season. I mean, I hate to say it as early as week four, but the Titans' path to the playoffs is very, very simple from here on out, and I don't know that they're going to get a whole lot of resistance from the other teams of the AFC South. But two players stood out to me, and I would imagine you two will agree with these two names on Sunday. Before I tell you who they are, though, Will, I believe you have some words from our good friends at Manscaped. I do. So I was at the Titans game this past weekend, and for the second straight game, I should have known better. But I wore too many clothes. I wore an undershirt and uh, you know longer pair of pants than I should, and it was ridiculous. Thankfully, I used Manscaped, and because of our friends at Manscaped, I have the lawnmower 4.0, so I didn't have to deal with an extra layer of body hair and a third layer in that 80 degree deceptive humidity in Tennessee. You know that uh, we've talked about it before. Their lawnmower 4.0, which I just said I have. You know, seven thousand RPMs works like a charm. Cuts like a hot knife through a uh, cuts like a hot knife through <laughs> butter, but in the safest way. I had to make sure I said that in a way that sounded as unintimidating as possible. <laughs> uh, I mean, we've talked about how it's waterproof. We've talked about how you can use it anywhere, how you can travel with it. You know, it, that that's just the base. You know, lawnmower four If you want to get really fancy, you can get the weed whacker. If you go with the performance package four as well. And that's you know also waterproof, nine thousand RPM, which sounds scary. You you know you won't really you won't really notice it. It's not intimidating. You know you get a three hundred sixty degree rotary dual blade system. It's great. You know uh, it it's kind of the ear nose you know that that hair trimmer. So I don't know. I, I've said this before. I have you know nose hair. I hate it. Can't breathe. It's like you're breathing through a towel. It's like you're being waterboarded. It sucks. You know. Not so much when you have the weed whacker. Everything's a little bit better. You know, when you're walking up that hill towards the Titans game and you've got to climb and climb and climb, it's better to be able to breathe through your nose than huffing and puffing through your mouth. So 
whether you've got to go to a Titans game or you just don't want to look like you're from the 80s, use the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 and you can go to manscaped.com and use the code FANSIDED20. Two players who stood out as being really good for the Titans on Sunday are Ola Adaini and Taylor Lewan. Adaini is very explosive as a pass rusher. Shane Bowen called him relentless on Thursday. And Mike Vrabel, who is not one to single out a, an individual player for praise, said, yeah, we've been talking about in meetings. we got to find ways to get this guy on the field more. He he has just been a, a, a great surprise for the Titans. Would have had two and a half sacks on Sunday if not for a holding penalty in the secondary. But he had one and a half, and and I believe he got a sack. Well, he he got the sack on Russell Wilson at the end of the Seattle game, the one that should have been the safety. So he's been a very pleasant surprise. And then Lawan, look, he wasn't great. It's not like he was a world beater, but he was good. He was far more than serviceable after in week one being an abject disaster. So two really good signs for the Titans in two areas that they really could use some production, that being tackle and pass rusher. Yeah, I was I was impressed with Luan. Uh, it seemed like he just bounced back and he was at his best. I really didn't... Uh, I really didn't notice any negative plays. Um, and it's crazy that he can go from looking like absolute garbage week one, then suffer an injury, and then come back against the Colts, who don't have the best front, but they're they're certainly not terrible, uh, and just completely handle them in both the pass and run games. So that was awesome to see. And if Luan can keep this up for the whole season, uh, it's going to be really good news for the Titans offense because we were a little worried about the offensive line, uh, especially a- after week one. Uh, we thought it might be an issue going forward. But if Luan could just stabilize that that left side, uh, the offense will be able to to get a lot of things done, and, and that's important. And in terms of Ola, like, the dude just keeps making plays. Like, he was making plays all preseason uh, and then he plays two snaps against the Seahawks, and he gets what should have been the game-winning safety, um, even though it was credited as a sack. Uh, and then he comes in this week with uh, a couple of injuries to, to the edges uh, and just kind of has a breakout performance, which he's kind of been hinting at, given his preseason performance and, and what he did uh, with just two snaps against uh, Seattle. So... It's awesome, man. Like he looks like a really explosive pass rusher, uh, and we've kind of been starved of that over the past couple of years. Uh, and I think Will has mentioned this. He he looks like what Derek Roberson looked like for like a very short stretch uh, two years ago. Uh, very short stretch, a, meaning like four plays against the Saints. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty much what it was. But uh, it's awesome that that the Titans have that kind of wild card uh pass rusher that they can that they can put in when they need to create pressure uh that's something they really have not had uh for for a really long time yeah and it's it's not just that he's 
kind of a one note speed rusher like he is i mean he's got that to him but he also stunts really well and i mean he's got enough speed to power kind of conversion in him to where he can he's not going to be so one note that nothing can happen like you probably don't want him out there on rundowns or or anything or if you do you don't want him out there too many times I, i think he did have like a run stop at some point early in the game but yeah like the the thing you're going to get paid for rushing the passer like he he does that very well like i mean he ate uh eric fisher's lunch over and over and over i mean just had him whooped so yeah like that that's that's all you could hope for but like you said with Derek roberson like let's wait and see and keep watching and hopefully he continues to progress but this is two games in a row and we also saw it in the preseason and he you know Mike Vrabel doesn't seem to smile a lot unless he feels like he's getting one over on reporters. But I, I don't know who asked him at the press conference on Monday about Ola Daney, but he like he like was smiling the whole time during the question as soon yeah. as he realized what was gonna happen. And it was like he very like there was I, I was like, Oh, he's gonna say something sarcastic. No, I mean, no. It was just genuine like joy. Now, like they that, that was in stark contrast to the way he answered the question after the game. Vrabel was very weird after the game. Like he, he explained on Monday that he was in a hurry to get to his son Carter's baseball game, but like he was also angry. Like he slammed the door really hard when he left. But Terry McCormick asked some derivative of, you know, how nice was it with with Bud going down to see Ola and, and Harold really step up and take over? And Vrabel was like, well, I mean, you know, you guys are the pass rush experts. I mean, y'all can look out there and see what was happening. I'm thinking, what? Yeah, like, you know, I I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> and, and, and after Vrabel weird. left, after Vrabel <laughs> left, Rex was like, "Oh, he called us pass rush experts." And then Vrabel heard and kicked down the door and came <laughs> beat, beat everybody's faces in. Paul Karski immediately ran to the door as fast as he could. Uh, yeah, like I, I don't I don't know about like it's hard to say like. Maybe like he said, you know, he's like, oh, Carter was pitching. I had to go. I told Teresa seven minutes and she told me when I left it was 655, whatever. Like, I, I, don't, I don't care. Like, you know, once you have kids like, it, you know, maybe maybe he's mad that he had to do it at all. Maybe he's mad that they had injuries. Maybe he's mad that he was going to have there's to deal a, with there's a difference of- between being in a hurry and being angry. Yeah, like now I will say you see the the post game locker room thing and you don't get any hint of. Like, yeah. Him being angry. Yeah. So. I don't know where that came from. Like, I I don't know if he just misjudged the time and like I don't know. I'm not reading day, into it. I don't care. I mean, yeah. At the end of the day, I guess it doesn't super matter anyway. Just I mean, but it, it does reinforce the point that like he doesn't always just smile when good things happen. Like he was he was excited about what he saw from Adani, and that's great. Uh, as for Lawan, like yeah, Lawan was super, like Lawan is great. Like run left actually worked this week as opposed to like the mocking like tone it took on after week <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, so they ran, I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Derek Henry ran eight times to the left side, either, uh, you know, quote unquote behind left guard or, or on the left end or whatever. Um, he average or he had, uh, like I said, eight carries for 61 yards. So somebody can do the quick math to tell me how many that is. Quick but uh, half of those rushes went for first downs and three of those went for 10 plus yards. They were the only time like, or uh, sorry, uh, uh, three went for first downs and two went for 
uh, 10 plus yards. So like, I mean, that's, that's good. Like, that's what you want to see. You didn't notice him in pass protection. Like there was a, uh, I think it was either the fourth down play or it might've been the interception to Darius Leonard where the rusher just stops. Like it's like, it's a key down and he just gets so jammed up that he just stops and turns his back to Lawan while he's still got contact. And like Tannehill's just sitting there right behind him. So it's like, I mean, it's like, you know, he, he was clearly functioning at such a high level that pass rushers were starting to give up on key moments. And, you know, Quitty pay went out with a hamstring thing early and that, you know, it sucks that you don't get to see those guys match up, but you know, at the end of the day, if you're a Titans fan, you have to be very happy with everything you saw from the one. And it kind of, you know, it, it kind of matches what we know about the Titans. Like they, they have bad losses sometimes, but they bounce back. Well, last year they had a bad win in Denver and they had back to back 30 point games. This would have been the same thing if they didn't have so many turnovers in the red zone that just, you know, weren't weren't the fault of any starters, but it's just backups making mistakes. So, you know, Lawan's had bad games before, usually at the start of the season, and then he cleans it up and he has 10 good ones in a row. And then people remember the bad one and they complain about that. So, you know, it's always good to see him bounce back because you don't know if that, you know, if this time it's really the end. But, I mean, he, he looked good. So, all all positive on that front. Now, what I didn't love from Lawan was the little, uh, I don't want to call it a temper tantrum, but whatever it was after the game when he started complaining about getting booed and, oh, that was so hard on me and all I've given this city. It's like, dude. Hey, uh, also, don't boo your own team. It makes you look stupid. Just, I uh, just an FYI. hard disagree. Like, I mean, you can, but you're wrong, but I mean, you, you, you can disagree about it, but it's insane. Like, Will, did you, you boo during the Wizenhunt days? You never booed during the Wizenhunt days? No, I, you, like, you shouldn't boo. Like, it's not a good look. I, I mean, it, like, it doesn't, uh, it, do you think that's going to make him mm. do better? Like, I, I think, you I can, think you're just you expressing your frustration. I mean, I think you can boo coaches. Yes, that's only yes. we're not discussing the validity of booing. We're we're discussing Lawan's comments after Deep the game into the psychology. Behind yeah. Well, let's <laughs> let's let's get let's get real real technical and talk about what happened. Uh, they booed him when he came back after he was re injured on a play, and it like they they came out with Kendall Lamb. Kendall Lamb immediately gave up a strip sack uh, like of his own and Lawan came back and they booed him. Like, I mean like that, that to me is crazy. And it's because he's got a personality and you know, he's, he's on a podcast and people inevitably will say if something goes wrong, well, you should have been spending more time working on pass pro. And, yeah. That you know, stuff's nonsense, but yeah, that, but that's why they're, but that's the reason why they're booing him. Like, they're not booing him because of a string of bad performances. They're booing a guy who tore his ACL, re-aggravated it, came here, back in. Here's my thing with Lawan, and I think I mentioned this last time. It feels like every season there is the grand apology press conference. In, in 2019, there were more than one. There was one after he got popped for PEDs, and then there was another one because of the penalties. It's like what the Titans need from Taylor Lewan is boring. 
and and two games in, it was already really all three games because week one it was the abject disaster, week two it was the weird pregame thing, and it becomes a story. And then in week three, he plays well, but then he has to when he's talking to me. It wasn't even a question that was asked. He he said he said now let me say this and like went in launched into this soliloquy about oh it was so tough on me like. I don't. I don't know that I have a whole lot of sympathy for that. He's getting paid thirteen million dollars. He's a fine player. He had one bad game and got booed. Suck it up. Um, I don't know. I don't think he should have been booed in that situation. That's, That's a little too much. That's not the question, though. <laughs> What's the question? The question is: Should like, he have reacted the way that he did? Who cares? Like, I, I mean. mean you know, like yeah, he's, he's I was a, gonna say, you know, if, if he, he plays fine, receiver, I yeah. really do not care what he says or what anyone says about I just it. Think if, if he's playing it, good, cool. It's whiny, no, no. I mean, it's like it, it's a question that was gonna be asked whether he addressed it or not. Derek, like, Derek I mean, Henry got booed in that game. You didn't see him at the podium going and. When did know, Derek that, Henry get that booed? Really hurt. And also, it he, would be I the promise first you, he got Derek booed Henry after got one booed. of his negative carries. I, uh, then you're you're listening to the wrong thing because they don't boo Derrick Henry. They they've been calling that that stadium has been calling for Derrick Henry since he was a, a they rookie. They call for Derrick Henry when the Titans are on defense. Yeah, I, so I it's swear like, to you, they, there were boos booing, after one of booing. his negative carries in uh, Week One. They, they're they not probably booing. booed Downing. They probably booed Downing. Yeah, the like, there's not like a sign being held up so that we know who the boos are being directed <laughs> at. <laughs> we need to yeah. know. No, they're booing <laughs> yeah. the O line. I don't know. They're they're pretty vocal when Henry is like. Anytime we get on the goal line, it's you hear Henry as much as I wish. Also, PSA fans, don't get really loud when your team has the ball ball on the goal line. It's it it's very bad. Don't do that. Like just be quiet. And then after chant Henry. That's that's my thing. I like, th- I, do, I do think it's funny when it's like third it's and two and the place just goes nuts. Henry, <laughs> yeah. Henry. Because since Eddie George, the Titans haven't had anyone that garnered that much like excitement from fans. Yeah, like it's just his name sounds like Eddie. Like you couldn't be like Chris. It's, it's very chantable. Chris, yeah, yes. When Chris it's Johnson, very chantable. Yeah, like and and you know some of that's awesome. Like it's it's awesome when you're up twenty eight to three on the Jaguars. When it's seven to seven and like you fumbled on the five yard line the last time you had the ball, don't do it like before you're going into half or anything like that. That stresses me out. It stresses like it's just a it's a poor use of your energy. Get louder on third downs on defense. But you know, that's that's a question for a different time. You know, we spent a lot of our time last week kind of talking about the the greatness of Derrick Henry and and how he's already you know pretty close to legend status. And and that conversation was sort of cemented for me during the Henry, Henry, Henry chance because I've heard them before, but I wasn't there in, in, in 2020. And just being there yesterday, Titans are winning. It's third down and two. And and it's not like this disparate chant that a couple of sections are doing. Like everyone in that stadium in unison, Henry. And I mean, it's just we're watching something really special, man. Like. Everyone in that stadium was begging for that guy to get the football. And it's not like back when he stunk and people were just like, roll darn tide. Like, it, you know, it, there's actually something to it now. It's just, he, he's amazing. 
I didn't even yeah, realize he, he had as many rushing yards as he did until I saw the stat sheet. I was like, what? Yeah, and and like we talked about all offseason, don't throw it to him. It doesn't work, uh, except I guess in year six or whatever, you yeah, learn how to catch. That's a, that's a strange development and one that I was and not prepared he for. Is, that's crazy. He's on pace for like 68 catches, I think, something like that. It's <laughs> I, insane. Yeah, and he's not even on the field on third downs. Some of that I still don't understand, by the way. Not that I think he's a great receiver now and you need to keep him out there, but that was quickly, the, the one play from that game that made no sense for, for me is they were on a two-minute drive at the end of the first half, and it was first and 10, and they ran the ball up the middle with Jeremy McNichols. I'm saying they're like, what in the world was that? Henry, sure, not McNichols. Those are my favorite types of plays. <laughs> I, 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 I still think... Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Todd Downing has certainly settled in after a really bad week one, but he, he has still had some perplexing moments. Yeah, and he's been okay. He's been okay. I, I've, I've calmed down a little bit after, after week one, uh, where yeah, I think we all really hated him. But the thing that still bothers me is when it's like third and six or, or, or shorter, and Derrick Henry is not in the game. Like, he should be in there unless it's third and ten. Yeah. Because you need to have the threat of they might give him the ball, you know? Like, we've talked about this for years, really. Um, and it has it didn't really come back to bite them in this game. But I still don't see the need to not have him out there uh, if it's a third and six, third and five, third and four, or anything shorter. Yeah. yeah. I See, I don't, I don't know if I agree. Like, I've heard that a lot, but... I think back in the Deion Lewis days, you could tell, and I think that's why they run Jeremy McNichols, and I think it's why they're hoping for Darrington Evans to come back because he can be more of a, like, if you give him a five-man box, he's fast enough to really make you pay for that. But I, I don't think they need to find more ways for him to get hit. And I understand that, like, the idea is, okay, if you keep him on third and five, you can run play action, and they're going to have to bite because it's Derrick Henry. And that's true, but he's already like, I mean, he's already getting hit all the time. Like, play action, he gets hit. When they leave him in pass pro, he gets hit. When they flare him out, like, he, th- he gets it thrown to him a lot, he gets hit. Like, the, you know, he's, what, got 83 touches or something crazy like that already, and we're three games into the season? Like, I, I don't know. Like, I if you have a place where you can rest him a little bit, I suggest resting him. But, you know, would it would it be better to have him touch the ball or on the field for every play? Sure. But it also is the same reason why it would be better to have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown on the field every play. Like, uh, theoretically, it's great, but then there's also fatigue, and, you you know, you have to think about this is a long season, even longer than it's been before. So, I don't know. I go back and forth. I do want to talk about Julio Jones and Bud Dupree, but mainly Jones, because both of those players were clearly dealing with something. And an emphasis on the something, because I don't know that we know what. And the handling of those situations was, if not weird, certainly different. And so we're going to get into that next. You were listening to No Nonsense. Julio Jones, the Titans' best receiver, 
did not play at all in the fourth quarter in what, to begin the fourth quarter, was a one-possession game. Now, for a majority of the fourth quarter, it was a two-score game after a a five-play, 59-yard touchdown drive that Ryan Tannehill led. Really impressive drive. But he did it without Julio Jones. Because as Joe Rexrode astutely pointed out, on the touchdown play that drive, which was a seven-yard pass to Jeremy McNichols, the Titans' skill players, I don't remember who the tight end was, but the receivers and running back was McNichols, Chester Rogers, Nick Westbrook-Akina, and Racy McMath, who, by the way, is not good. Not good right now. And Julio Jones is on the sideline. So Vrabel obviously asked about it after the game, asked about it again on Monday. Based on what he has said, it seems like Julio got tight. Will, you may be able to speak to what exactly that means, because that's the terminology Vrabel used. And it was almost like a... And he said, you know, based on the flow of the game and what we thought it would take to win, which I took to not so much mean the Colts stink as they were going to run the ball a lot, that they didn't really need Julio. I don't... I'm I don't I'm not criticizing it cuz I don't really know how I feel about it. I just think it's very very weird. Like and, and the Bud Dupree thing. Bud Dupree was active, didn't play a single snap. We're told after the game that he was active for the event of an emergency, presumably still dealing with lingering effects from the ACL he tore last year. I don't know that I've ever seen that before outside of a quarterback. What do you guys feel about this? Cuz I I don't know that I don't like it. Like, I'm not sitting here saying Vrabel is being dumb, but he's certainly being weird, no? Yeah, but Mike Vrabel has always been weird about injuries yeah. ever, since he's, ever since he took over as coach. So I guess this shouldn't be all that surprising. Uh, I would say the Bud Dupree thing is a little worrying, just the fact that he still has some lingering effects from the ACL injury, but... I mean, I guess it. I guess it's normal, you know. It, it, it's still what, like, less than a year removed, probably, since he tore his ACL. I don't remember when it happened last year, um, but you know, every every ACL or like torn ligament recovery is different. Um, it, it's it's just a little weird because he. I thought he looked really good in week two. I thought he played rather well, um, but I guess the knee just acted up a little bit. Uh, so it's a little worrying, but I, I'm not hitting the panic button. On that just yet, the Julio thing, uh, I I don't know. I, I, I'm assuming I have no evidence or no knowledge or info to, to say this, but I feel like he probably just had like a slight soft tissue injury and they didn't want to push him uh, because he's had these in the past where he has like a hamstring injury uh, and the Falcons would kind of baby him throughout the game. But if they really needed him, they would put him in the game and like he would actually run routes and catch passes. Uh, but they would usually manage him throughout the week and even manage him throughout the games. So I'm assuming it might have been something to do with a soft tissue thing. Uh, and they were just trying to be cautious. But if they needed him, he probably could have gone gone out there. Um, but that's just my that's just my theory. I don't know if you, you guys feel uh, that that could be it. So... Um... I don't know if y'all heard the podcast, the uh, Busting with the Boy Boys podcast with definitely uh, not. Yeah, uh, with the one with Vrabel. This, That's the only one I've ever listened to. Th- this this is why it's important. 
so Lawan and Simmons uh, were talking about their ACL injuries, and they were talking about how uh, Simmons told Lawan and Bud Dupree that his work, his the the time when it hurt him the worst to practice is when they went inside to the bubble because that synthetic turf flared everything up and it, it, it made, made him get swell a bunch of swelling. And, um, what's the doctor, the team doctor's name, Todd Torselli or whatever. Uh, yes. he, he told him that like that happens. Like, it's just, you know, that's part of it. Like, you know, not to be worried about it, all that kind of stuff. And I just looked it up and Seattle's, uh, field is like some like synthetic turf stuff that they put in recently. So we're, we're going to kind of dive into conspiracy theories here because that's, you know what this is. I I would assume that, Bud because he didn't really practice all week, I'm going to assume that he had some swelling from the Seattle game. And instead of making him play because he probably could have played, played but his knee was probably swollen and it was probably a situation where they didn't feel like he needed you know he needed to play in this game whatever but he was active just in case he had to be thrown into action that that would be my guess with him just based off like you know what those two have said firsthand and what they talked about his injury you should you should go listen to that it's it's really interesting in terms of uh Titans specifically recovering from ACL injuries and how the practice facilities kind of change how they feel. But um, other than that, the Julio thing, you know, that's, it's weird. I think Vrabel sometimes is, well, I know he tries to be too clever too much, so I should say that. But I think sometimes he thinks he's saying something because in his head it's clear but when he when he says it out loud, it doesn't make sense. So yeah. when he said like I, you know, he was getting tight, all that kind of stuff. I well, think because so, I, mean, uh, but, so, I don't mean to interrupt, but but what he said after the game made it sound like they were load managing him. Like, well, you know, we want to make sure he doesn't get too many reps. It's like that's, right. that's, that's not not. But then on Monday is when he brought up the tightness. Yeah. So I think. I I, th- I think it's I think that it's a load management thing. Like I know that's not what he said. I know it's what he said initially, and I think he he wants to be careful with that kind of stuff because then you basically tell teams, you know, we don't take you seriously when we bring Julio out. Like you don't. Vrabel comes from don't say anything bad about anybody ever that you're going to play because they can use it as bulletin board material because he did it with the Patriots when they were undefeated and the next year they had to find bulletin board material. So you you never want to say we're practicing load management because every game's important and you don't want to signal to your team that, you know, we're pulling Julio out when we think we have it, you know, or this guy gets special treatment. There's just it, it's a dangerous precedent to set. So saying tightness and saying, you know, when a guy comes out for a while, then you don't necessarily want to put him back in. Like, sure, like, that's hard to prove. Maybe, I mean, maybe he was tight. Like, uh, the Colts went on a really long drive to start the, uh, the second half. I think it was like an eight-minute drive. It was like 17 plays or something, 13, 17 plays, something crazy. And uh, they ended up kicking a field goal. And maybe he went out there for the first series. Because I don't know when exactly he came out. But maybe he felt tight, and maybe they were like, well, you know, we're up by double digits or we're nearly there. 
like, let's see what we do on this next drive. And if we score and it stays a two possession game, we won't put you back in. And maybe that's what happened. Like, we're going to need more data points to really figure out what happened and what the specific reason was. But, you know, Rob Moore said on uh, Tuesday, I think, that the, he felt like he played A.J. Brown too much in the first two games. And they, I mean, they heavily rolled their receivers in and out. Like, it, it's, it, I, I personally hate it because yeah. you're basically saying, okay, we're only going to play half of our offensive snaps with our best players and the other half we're going to use backups and role players and good luck Ryan Tannehill and that's kind of what they do and it's why Ryan Tannehill is so important and so good is because he makes it work and you don't really notice it but yeah like I, I think I think this is a very other everybody other than Shane Bowen is very conservative on how much uh, how much they use their star players You know, when Vrabel says things like, you know, we wanted to manage his load, and then he also made the comment after the game about, you know, we got a lot of guys who need rest. It's week three, now week four, and they've played three games each a week apart. Why are there many players who need rest? Mm, I don't know. Football is a violent sport, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Uh, but that, that doesn't happen is. with other teams. Like, you know, that's, Pete that's Carroll's not going to the podium today and saying, you know, we got a lot of guys who, who really could use some rest. It's like, what? Yeah, the rest thing is a little weird to admit that. Um, I haven't really seen too many coaches, heard too many coaches admit that. Um, also, but, I mean, if you got... I mean, they're also not that old. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But I mean, like I said, football's a violent sport. And I don't know if you guys were like following around the NFL um, this past weekend, like everyone was getting injured. Like the Giants had like half their team just get injured. And, you I know, mean, McCaffrey got hurt. Thursday night football was brutal for that. Yeah, like it's. I mean, the tight game was brutal for that. Yeah. Like, that, I can understand that. Great segue into our next topic. Yeah, so I was gonna say I can. I, it, once we talk about that, I can understand why he might have wanted to pull back the reins a little bit and get some guys in after it was well, a two score game. Rest is different than being hurt. That's that's my thing. But yeah. to each to each his own. Okay. Yeah, but yeah, we also have to account real quick that the Titans' bye week is like thirteen, I think. Which like, I think is a, a great lot. time to have a bye week because that, that's that's when you need rest. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it it depends. Like it's it's hard if you get banged up in week one. It's yeah. great if you're like, okay, let's fine tune stuff before we go to the playoffs. Like, I mean that that part of it's great, but I mean, yeah, they've, it's, they've it's also week got two bye weeks coming up. I mean, yeah, except for the Don't guys who have this. to actually be on the field. Don't do this. <laughs> Remember that time we lost <laughs> to the Jaguars when they were zero and eight. That was cool. <laughs> we're gonna get. We're gonna get People to the. Forget. We'll get. We'll get to the Jags next week, and we'll get to the Jets in just a few minutes. First, though, I, I want to talk about the injuries the Titans incurred during uh, Sunday's game. I have a list here. I kept track during the game. Uh, the following players left the game at some point. Now, some returned, but here's a list of players who left the game at some point. David Quesenberry, Christian Fulton, Julio Jones, A.J. Brown, Ola Adani, and Rashad Weaver. Now, David Quesenberry was out for like a play. I was told that he like 
got poked in the eye or something very yeah, inconsequential. Yeah, poked in the eye. Uh, Christian Fulton went back, but you know, I still don't really know what's up there. Rashad Weaver broke his fibula. That was reported by Kaharski. Uh, Adaney went back in and made an impact. And then obviously, uh, Julio Jones and AJ Brown were not heard from again once they exited. Also, you know, you got Darrington Evans on injured reserve. You got Amani Hooker on injured reserve. Caleb Farley hasn't played in two weeks. Bud Dupree, we just talked about. Don't really know what you're getting out of him anytime soon. Uh, they're starting to stack up, guys. And I'm all about next man up, and I think this team does that as well as anyone else in the NFL. But we know from, and, and I think I learned this in the 2018 season when the Titans were playing really well and winning a lot of games, but they just ran out of gas because they didn't have any bodies left. Uh it adds up, and next man up only goes so far. I am near the point of being concerned. And it's not a blame on anybody. It's not saying, you know, the Titans need to stay healthier. Like, no one can control that. But it's concerning. Uh, no one's fault, but it could wind up hurting them pretty soon, no? Yeah, I, I don't think it will lead to shock upsets against the Jets and the Jaguars. I think they'll be able to handle those teams. Um, let's say if AJ Brown sits or, or, or even if, if Julio Jones has to uh, sit out a couple games, but I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not that too worried yet. Yes. I would love for the team to be fully healthy. Um, but these, th- these things always happen throughout a season. Um, and, and I don't think their, their injuries are, are all that all that bad really like I, I think it could be much worse um like a hamstring for aj brown sure that could linger uh but it really shouldn't be more than a couple of weeks uh julio we don't even know if he has an injury uh or not but the pre seemed like it was probably just a little inflammation and he should be good to go uh within the next couple of weeks i would assume so I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not too worried yet. And, and the Christian Fulton thing, I, I remember seeing him. It, it was on the end of like a pass breakup. Um, he kind of like the receiver, I think, got caught up a little bit like under him. Um, so he might have just like twisted his ankle a little bit, but he seemed OK uh, after that. So I don't know. I, I'm not too worried yet. I, I don't think we've suffered like catastrophic injuries yet. Yeah, so. I guess let's let's talk about you know what what it means. So, really, outside of quarterback, you know, knock on wood, it, there's there's not a position where if you have one player get injured, that's not like an all pro that it really sets you back that far. So, I guess the question is like where are the Titans to the thinnest, and you know, you look and we we can talk about different positions. I mean, you could talk about linebacker, you could talk about tight end, whatever, but. You know, right now, if Rashawn Evans went down, like, I mean, they, they have, they've missed, you know, Jayon Brown in week two and David Long in week one, right? Like, did, didn't they, uh, it were some order, some combination. It's the first game that David Long and Jayon Brown has been healthy. And I think Jayon Brown played like 10 snaps this past week. And that would hurt them if they played Kansas City or Baltimore or something. But, you know, like, they they've already been injured at that position a little bit. And you also have to remember that they are getting reinforcements. Like 
Darrington Evans is coming off the short-term injury. And these guys might not play. I mean, they, they might not play at all. But there is the possibility of Darrington Evans, Marcus Johnson, um, Ficken should come off the list. I don't have any idea what the Brady Breeze injury will look like long term, and then uh, there's somebody else on the list too that I'm that I cannot think. Oh, it's uh, Munyer, so never mind. Uh, but it, the point is, like, they've got enough depth. But if you look too hard at any position group in the NFL, like you're gonna find weakness after you go through the first yeah, line. Th- if you don't, this find isn't it. a John Robinson criticism. I'm not saying they're not deep enough. I'm saying everyone's getting hurt and it's adding up. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess. Like, I mean, like, I, I guess you the know, question when, is like when, when Imani Hooker gets hurt, and then, uh, uh, you know, if it. Like, sure, at first you shrug your shoulders and like, yeah, I guess. But, like, when it's, like, five players, A.J. Brown's week to week. And I know they got cupcakes coming up, but that's still concerning, no? Your your presumed third pass rusher, now, obviously, a, a Danny took over that role. Rashad Weaver's out for the season, probably, um, barring a medical miracle or a, a very quick return. Like, it's just, it's adding up. And it, the, these kinds of things snowball. It, it's like, you know, holding on to a, a, a rope. Like you, you can only hold on for so long. Yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. I guess I'm just kind of thinking that this happens to a lot of teams and they yeah. just seem to, like, get through it because that's what happens throughout NFL seasons. Granted, it's happening a little earlier and probably at a more yeah, that, rapid that's rate. I'm, that's for all the I'm saying. I'm not, you know, yeah. like I said at the beginning, I'm not. This isn't an indictment on anyone. No one is getting blamed for this. It's just something that is happening that's out of their control. That I'm sitting yeah. here going, this is slightly concerning. Yeah. So, which I, starters? If you if you had to guess right now, which starters do you think aren't going to play on this this upcoming Sunday? Amani Hooker. Okay. AJ Brown. Mm-hmm. Yep. Bud Dupree. I don't know. I, I, mm. I'm interested to see what like happens with him. This week. I mean, if they dressed him out, like, and we've talked about this already, but like, uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, I think they're probably going to play. They might play Sharif Finch instead instead of him. Honestly, I well, I don't think they'll play Sharif, which Finch is a instead. weird thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, I think I, I, what they would do is they would run that weird hybrid three man. Def- they would put Autry instead yeah, of him. You're going to see lots of Autry, and that, I think, because because that's what we saw this past week was Autry and Adani rolling in and out. Like yeah. that, like that's kind of what they did on the other side. So like we've already seen that adjustment. But yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off. But like, uh, it, are those the three guys you're you're looking at and saying those would be the three? I, I feel like Fulton probably plays, though I don't know that he'll practice every day this week. And Julio Jones, I wouldn't put money on playing, though I think the odds are certainly in favor of it. Yeah, is Ferkser going to play? Nope, I don't see that happening. Ferkser wasn't even what? a game time choice; he was ruled out on Friday. This yeah, past what's week. up with him? He's got yeah, like it a feels weird that he hadn't gone on short term hour. Like they, they've got to think that it's something that'll clear up because even with the Dory, they like eventually put him on short term hour, like you know. And Ferkser's not that kind of player. Like he's not going to just like lose all his comp. I mean, at least he doesn't seem. They like need Ferkser though. That tight end spot's yes. rough. Yes, I'm we have like, kind of missed him. 
Like, the offense hasn't skipped a beat or anything, but would be nice to have him. Yeah, Swaim just, like, if they could stop fumbling the ball and throwing up (laughs) interceptions, and if they would just put uh, Pruitt in instead of Swaim, I mean, they'd they'd average 30 points a game. Like, Mm. I mean, Certainly, certainly would have in this game. Yeah, I mean, they would have put up 39 or something, right? Like, if it was, what was it, the final score, like 25 to 16? They yeah, lost I the ball on the five-yard line and inside the 20 when they were moving quick. Like, I mean, that's easily a 39, you know, point game. And then yeah. then all of a sudden you're back to even. But, you know, whatever. Like, a win's a win, like we said at the beginning. Time now for our New York Jets preview as we look ahead to a team that has scored an average of under seven points per game. And I believe just 20 the entire season. Uh, gross. Is, is that it? Yeah, it is gross. Yeah. Corey yeah, Davis sure is helping They are not good. Hey, he's well, got their only touchdowns of the season. <laughs> I was, I, he's got both of their touchdowns. It's, it's hot. Yeah, so our next topic of conversation is going to be, is Corey Davis a wide receiver one? Will, your thoughts? No, I'm kidding. I, <laughs> we <laughs> we have beaten that horse more, to death more than any other horse. Yeah. Um, I don't really know where to start with them. Like, they are not good. They're really bad right now. They're They're probably... The Jaguars are giving them a run for their money, but they're probably the worst team in the league right now, at least from what we've seen um, these first couple of weeks. Uh, I will say they have played a couple of really good defenses. They play the Broncos and they play the Panthers. But, man, they cannot do anything on offense. They can't block. Zach Wilson looks like his his mechanics are all over the place. Uh, Elijah Moore has been injured in and out. Jamison Crowder has been injured in and out. Keelan Cole has been injured in and out. Tevin Coleman has also been injured in and out, although he sucks anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah, he stinks. Um, Yeah, so it's rough, man. I don't think their defense has been all that bad, to be honest. Like, they've been okay, although they're not too talented. But Robert Saleh is a really good, you know, defensive coordinator, so he knows what he's doing. But the offense is just putting them in in really bad uh, situations, so... I don't know. I mean, this is another get-right spot for the Titans' defense, even though they already had one with with an injured Carson Wentz last week. But but they can keep that momentum going on the defensive side of the ball against the Jets. Is this more Salah or the roster? The roster. I mean, to me, like, uh, so I think it really hurts him that he had his, you know, premier high-priced free agent and Carl Lawson uh, go out with an injury. And they also have, uh, I think one of their, like their starting linebackers or something is out for the season. Uh, Maybe it's Gerard Davis. I'm actually not sure who it was, but they got injured in the preseason too. And it's like when you're running that defense and your presumed best pass rusher and your starting linebacker go out, three weeks before the season when you haven't had enough time to really teach everybody, you've kind of had to focus on those 11. Like that's, that's a problem. And even then, like, you know, so there's Kyler Murray and Joe Burrow have thrown four interceptions and they're tied for second, or I guess they're tied for third and most interceptions in the league. 
Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson have each thrown seven. So they're basically doubling up the next worst players in terms of throwing interceptions. Uh, Zach Wilson's been sacked on 12.5% of his passes, and it's not its not that guys are just blowing past the offensive line. The offensive line's not good, but, the, I mean, it's just he keeps holding the ball, and he kind of drifts and moves around. Like I mean, he just he, he and Trevor Lawrence both just look like if you were forced to start a third round rookie and you know the, the, you know rolled them out there and say okay here you go i hope you had fun on your short week like i hope you learned what you're supposed to like they just they always look lost so you know when you when your entire team has scored two touchdowns all season and you've thrown your quarterback has thrown seven interceptions i mean y- you know you really can't coach your way out of that but i don't know like they, they're also like the roster is not making it particularly easy for him, but he's had, you know, I, I'm not going to hype up my guy, but it's like he's had really good success throwing to Corey Davis. Corey Davis has both of his touchdowns, and, you know, he's actually catching the ball as opposed to the other receivers. So, uh, I mean, if they would figure out what worked and stick to it instead of trying to make him a complete quarterback in year one, I think they would have better success. But I, I think for a first-time head coach – He's got a lot going on that's against him. Yeah, Zach Wilson, from what I have seen, looks like he's trying to be Texas A&M Johnny Manziel. That, like, take over the game, acrobatic guy who's unbelievable and, and, like I said, just takes over the game and dominates. Like, you don't have to be that right now, buddy. Just just throw, throw to who's open and stay in the pocket. Yeah, you're not wrong. He is. He's trying to do way too much, um, especially in that Patriots game. That that was an absolute disaster. Um, and I don't know. They they might just have to like rethink their entire uh, offensive approach. It really hasn't been working. Um, and I mean, if you're trying to do too much and you're out there throwing to Keelan Cole, a half injured Jameson Crowder, Ryan Griffin, you know Ty Johnson, a rookie, and Michael Carter. Like, it's rough, man. Like, things are not going to go too well. And they haven't been. So, I don't know. Maybe you see a different approach offensively from the Jets this week. But it doesn't seem like they have any of the answers, uh, at least in the early going. And I should say, like, defensively, they're not they're not bad. Like, the the fact that they're not losing forty five to zero is a testament to the fact that their defense is okay because I mean it's hard to throw seven interceptions and basically spot the other teams a full quarter of possession and then keep a game like within three or four scores. So I mean they're they're flashing and doing okay, but it's I mean they're they're I mean they're bad. Like they're just not a good team. I mean, the the Titans should steamroll them. I mean, they're they're gonna win. I'm just look. I, I did the A to Z morning show this morning, and a lot of people. I said that, and a lot of people were like, "Don't you remember the Bengals game last year?" I'm like, "This is not that. This is not Joey Burrow and the Bengals. This is a train wreck disaster." The the Bengals had some things going for them at least, and Joe Burrow is not going to make the mistake that kills you. This is a team that is looking at defenses, saying, "Would you like the football here? Take it." Like. The Titans, I'm not going to say the Titans are going to steamroll them. They should. The Titans are going to win this game. 
and, and, and you know, what I keep learning about Mike Vrabel is for years, when the Titans were in close games, they would, like, always lose them. Like, if a game came down to lo- late fourth quarter, guaranteed L for the Titans. Mike Vrabel's teams finish. Like, even a game last week where it wasn't great and, and it probably should have been a three-score game, like like you said, Will, there was never at any point any doubt that the Titans were winning that game. And I, and, and I think Vrabel deserves a lot of credit for, for instilling that because there there is something, I believe, you hear about it from players all the time, and I think it's real, learning how to win. And the Titans have that, and it's why they're going to win this week and be 3-1 and one heading into week five against the Jaguars. I like the confidence. Uh, I agree. Uh, people always mention that Bengals game from last year, but the Bengals offense had been pretty good going into that game, and the Titans I mean, defense the Titans was gone off. won that game. But, man, I specifically remember that we were doing the preview to that game, and I was like, the, the, the Titans defense is not going to be able to stop this Bengals offense just because they were so bad. The yeah. Titans defense this year, at least so far, has looked much better than the defense from last year. Plus the Well go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say the Jets offense <laughs> is not even close to the Bengals offense from last year. It is not even close to the same. It is funny to me that the only quarterback the Titans defense stopped in twenty twenty was Nick Foles. And he's yeah. in the conversation to start for the Bears this week. Hey, don't forget if if you did heard, Josh Allen. I don't, Ah, uh, yeah, you're right. You're right. They did. They did play pretty well against him. The Malcolm Butler game. But I don't know if you heard. But today, Matt Nagy was like, all three quarterbacks were considering for this week. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, it, any of them would be either one of them would be an upgrade yeah. over last week. Um, but also in that, like, I agree with you. Like, the Titans have found weird ways to lose, Matias. Like. You know, and we talk about that Cincinnati game. I think the biggest difference in the the whole scenario is the Titans' running game is working, and historically, Derrick Henry, like we've said before, is a slow starter. So they had to deal with Derrick Henry's slow start and the fact that it had like forty mile an hour winds in that game. Like, do you remember like when they went to play the Bengals? It was like you couldn't throw a pass without it drifting, and so like. They were just dicing the Titans' defense up, and what really hurt the Titans is when they threw that deep interception to Corey Davis because the ball like floated and Corey Davis didn't come back to it, and it got picked. Like things like that. Like sure, maybe like a true like a literal force of nature could cause the Titans to lose, but I mean, on paper, every matchup the Titans have a you know talent advantage and a coaching advantage. So. I mean, if if they lose, it's because Vrabel didn't get them properly motivated. Which, like us, like we've said, like sometimes that happens, but they're getting better at it as they go. So hopefully that doesn't happen, and hopefully they got shaken, you know, awake after their you know week one loss that was just brutal to watch. One last topic before we get to stop the nonsense. Lazy Panda is back in our lives because he has worked out with both the Indianapolis Colts and the New York Giants. And after his workout with the Indianapolis Colts, which killed the three of us, I mean, we were laughing very hard over text, he posts a long-winded, 
I should call it apology to Instagram. I'll read parts of it. Some of you may know me as GG. Some of you may know me as Panda. Even some of you know me as the biggest bust in NFL history. Today I write to you as Isaiah Wilson. Before the fame and the glamour, I don't know that he really ever had any of that. I was just a kid trying to make history as the best player out of New York City. That's a lofty aspiration. I was the hope for my hood. As time went on and success came my way, I struggled deeply with trying to prove who I was to everyone counting on my wins. I lost myself. I lost my mental. I lost my ability to love. I lost it all. When I lost, seemingly everyone who was once in my corner was gone. The ones who have remained, I love you. Today I write to you as Isaiah Wilson, not asking for forgiveness, but hoping for a second chance. With the time I've had away from the game, I've learned so much about who I am as a human. I finally love myself, and it feels incredible. I now am ready to step back onto that field with pride, integrity, and passion. Thank you to everyone who left my side. And I'll never forget you and to the ones who ran away. I forgive you. I'm back and better than ever. Thoughts? Hey, man. Good for him. I hope it goes really well. Um, I don't have any ill ill feelings, ill will towards him. Uh, seems like he's, he, he got his head straight, so that's good. Maybe he will actually do something in the NFL now. Um, seems like he's in a good mental state. So good for him. Uh, that's pretty important because it seemed like he was going off the deep end uh, uh, just a year ago. So I don't know. I don't really have much else to say. I don't really care. But good good for him, I guess. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was a mistake to draft him when they drafted him. It was, I mean, he he didn't seem particularly motivated to start over or fix himself in his rookie year with the Titans. He didn't seem particularly committed at any single point. Uh, you would assume he would have gotten a wake-up call when he got traded. You know, he got cut, and then nobody heard from him for a summer. And I don't know, maybe he was off getting the help he needed. I I, you know, I hope so. Cool. Go make your money, do your thing, all that kind of stuff. But I mean, you know, whatever. Like I, if somebody signs him, I think he should be your last resort. And when he gets on the field, I think you're going to be disappointed whether he's committed or not. Cause I don't think he's that type of player, but you know, maybe this new version of him, maybe he can find Sam Pittman somewhere. If Sam Pittman gets in the NFL and they can, you know, hang out and be a true dream team or something. But I don't know, man, like I, I don't, I don't necessarily need your forgiveness. Uh, that's, that's, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how you could, and I don't think anybody is, but I don't know how you could like boo Taylor Lewan for his stuff. And then, you know, look at Isaiah Wilson's Instagram over the past year and then come away thinking like, wow, he really just was a misunderstood player. Good for him. Yeah, I I can't remember what the reaction was from fans on Twitter when that happened. I mean, there was a lot of laughing. There's something in the back of my mind I'm remembering where a lot of fans were like, "You've got this, buddy. You're gonna." But I I can't remember if it was him or someone else. It was making me upset. Whoever it was. But my thing with Panda is, I think everyone deserves a second chance. I think some people deserve third chances. I believe in forgiveness. I believe in redemption. Uh, I'm counting this as his second chance. We, we kind of joked around beforehand that his season with the Titans, as eventful and 
episodic as it was, I'm counting as just like one big through line of a first chance. Um, look, if he's gotten help, because he clearly needed it. I mean, I, I've been adamant that, because some people are like, oh, the money got to his head. I'm like, no, I think he's like mentally ill. Like the things he was doing, like, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I am, I thought he was going to end up dead or, or inadvertently killing someone like behind the wheel of a car. Maybe I, you know, it was, it was rough, the stuff that he was involved in. And, um, I don't take lightly when someone gets behind the wheel as intoxicated as he was enough to do donuts on a busy street and crash into a concrete wall. Um, I don't like people who do that. But uh, like I said, I believe in forgiveness. I believe in redemption. And good for him. I hope he takes advantage of it. I'm not going to sit here and say, you know, oh, I bet he's going to fail. Or I know I bet he's, you know, I'll just be a, Sitting back, watching it happen, hoping for the best. Sure. Yeah, me too. Um, I doubt he's going to amount to anything in the NFL, to be honest. I didn't even like him as a player before all this yeah, there's stuff that happened. Work- but- there's that working too. And that we can make fun of all day long, the football stuff and yeah. the kick slide. Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think thing. I don't think he, I don't think any of us are like, oh man, I hope you know he has an addiction problem and he go it goes to jail. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I hope he gets help. Like, I mean, that's like when you have substance abuse issues or, or whatever he was going through. Like, you need to get help. Now, don't expect Titans fans to root for you after you were given a bunch of chances here and say like, oh man, I hope you really go out and nail it because. You know, you have to realize you spent a year doing your own thing, making them look stupid, and what whatever was causing you to act like that. You know, it, you're not going to get much sympathy from Titans fans. So, you yeah. know, if you're looking for it there, look somewhere else. Go find a new team and be part of that, and hopefully they embrace you. And you know, you're their new favorite son. But like, if you're, if you're looking at Titans fans, I'm telling you, you're going to look in the wrong direction. Maybe the Jolly Chuckle will go to New York or Indianapolis. All right. It is time for Stop the Nonsense. We will get to that in just one second. You are listening to No Nonsense, the Tennessee Titans podcast. Stop the Nonsense time, guys. And and for mine this week, we go to eBay. Because I have acquired... I, well, I, it was it was uh, like a free gift with the purchase of my new computer. Uh, a pair of AirPods. I don't like AirPods. Um, I use my Raycons, as you guys know. <laughs> so, so I have this pair of AirPods. I'm looking at them right now. Uh, they are sealed in the box. The the uh, the wrapping is still on them. Uh, and so I'm trying to sell them on eBay to help alleviate some of the financial burden of the new computer that I bought. Not, not that it was burdensome, but, you know, a $100 cheaper computer looks a lot better. Uh, so I've been trying to sell them on eBay and trying to find sort of the right price to, you know, and I've been working on that for about a month or so, kind of fooling with the price, getting some offers, you know. So I, And I got to where I felt like, all right, this is the right price I need to put them at. And I, I relisted the AirPods on eBay. And then a day later, I get an email from eBay saying, uh, we can't let you list this 
because we have a strict policy against posting fraudulent bootleg items. I'm like, what? Like, I literally bought this from the Apple store. There's nothing bootleg about it. And so then I wait a few days until today and try again, post them. Hour later, your listing has been removed. We have a very strict policy against counterfeit bootleg items. So I don't know what they got going on. Uh, If you're listening, eBay, uh, they're very real. I can send you a picture of them if you would like. I don't know. This has never happened to me before. I'm a, I've, I've sold a lot of stuff on eBay over the years. I've never had this accusation before, um, and I don't like it. I, I want to sell my very real and very legit AirPods, so uh, this is uh, really grinding my gears. Most people say very real, completely legit when they have a real product. That's what I've yeah, found. I was, so I was thinking just that keep as I was telling, Just keep telling them. <laughs> I was thinking that as I was saying it. Real, like totally I'm, not doing, I'm not doing a great job of selling this. <laughs> These are real. Um, okay, I'll go ahead and go and give mine. So my stop the nonsense is uh, really to all like the Titans fans who would be so aggressive and go after Jaguars fans who, you know, they made the bold decision to trade Jalen Ramsey. It was hard. But, you know, they got two first-round picks, and it was great. That's why everybody was so happy at the time. And I know it's really easy to make fun of them because they've wasted every single one of their picks, and that's why they were so bad. They got the number one overall pick this year, and that's why they've ruined Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, it's it's easy to kick them while they're down. You know, so I my it's more of a public plea than a stop-the-nonsense. But – Please don't at any Jaguars fan and show them the compensation and that the fact that they only got 10 games out of CJ Henderson before he was so fed up with the franchise that he left or that USC didn't even want Urban Meyer because he was doing such a bad job and he came with so many issues that they didn't even ask him. Like, don't don't tweet that at them. It's just too mean. Like, (laughs) don't at them with videos of Jalen Ramsey talking about how happy he was and Dante Fowler before him. And don't tell them that they're going to ruin their Josh Allen and that he's going to want out soon. Like, it's just, it's too mean. Like, don't do it. Like, don't talk about how they traded for a tight end because Trevor Lawrence can't find his receivers deep. Like, it's just, it just don't do it. It's too mean. So, like, just all I ask is for some civility and, you know, don't don't link that <laughs> Trevor Lawrence has seven interceptions. Like it's it's too mean, and we're we're above that. So I, I just hope y'all keep that in mind this week. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, Jags fan. That's an interesting group of folks. I've had some interactions with them. They're always uh, peachy. A notorious notorious kind group, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've heard uh, my my, my uh, I have a buddy who lives in Daytona. I stay with him when I made the Tampa trip a week or two ago or a month ago, I guess. And uh, he'll he'll be at the game when the Titans play there. And he's told me that like everyone's told him like, dude, like you might get like peed on. Yeah, I mean that like sounds about right. That's that's just a normal afternoon for them. <laughs> Matthias, what do you got? Yeah. Um, so guess I'm going to go on another rant against analytics because I'm just sick and tired of all these hey, fake rankings. That, Mike that Vrabel are, was an he, analytics guy on Sunday going for two up by seven. 
That was all. We didn't even talk about it. that. Was a great decision. One of the best decisions I think Mike Rabel has ever made. Honestly, I remember being like fifteen so. on Madden, being up by scoring a <laughs> touchdown and going up by seven, and being like, "Wait, I should go for two here because that makes it a two-score game, yeah. right?" Like it just makes sense. And I, I ran it by our our old friend Calvin Smith, who uh, has been on this podcast before and now works uh, in the analytics department with the Jaguars, and and he gave that the thumbs up. So good for Rabel. Yeah, that was an awesome decision. It's kind of crazy it's taken this long to to make that decision like normal and mainstream. But anyway, uh, what what bothered me is ESPN's FPI ranking, which is their Football Power Index ranking. Oh uh, just, essentially, it takes into account uh, how many points above or below average a team is. They say they run 10,000 simulations. Fake stats. I don't know how they come up with this. But it just—I—I uh, I don't know if it bothered me. It's just so stupid, man. They have the Titans at twenty, uh, and guess guess who the team is at twenty-one? Uh, in Indy. The Colts. The Colts are at twenty-one. The zero and three Colts, who just lost to the Titans, who lost to the team at home that the Titans beat on the road in the Seahawks. They are one spot below the Titans in in their football power index. A lot of it is because and I guess where, where they don't like Se- the Titans' defense. Where's Seattle? Oh, Seattle is 12th. Sorry. Oh, I, I okay. should have said that. The worst I mean, thing. how are they 12th? How are they 12th if they lost, they've lost two games, one of the Vikings by 13 points, and they lost at home to the Titans? Like, that, that one doesn't make sense. But the Colts thing... The Colts is the, is the one that got me. And also, like, how are the Patriots three spots in front of the Titans also? That that doesn't make sense to me. But analytics, man. Analytics. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, ESPN's stats don't have a great history. I know their total QBR stat. The, according to that stat, I, I assume this is still the case. It was a couple of years ago. The greatest performance in the history of quarterbacking under that stat was a Charlie Batch game in like 2005 yeah. where he threw a touchdown and two picks or something like that. I mean, it, it's, I don't know, it's it's frustrating. Like, people always try to rebrand and be like, oh, like, this is what it is. But when you look at it, they all just skew towards one thing. It's like, okay, this person just rated them by like, turnovers plus like point differential and it's like don't try to come up with some fancy name and like you know that's that's what bothers me is they try to rebrand these things that aren't necessarily indicative of success or like futures you know there's no context to it it's so weird like i and i get and we've talked about this before that everybody wants to like pretend like the nfl is like madden and if you have a higher rated person they should do better or whatever but like I don't know. It's it's just so aggravating like for like one ESPN reporter to like uh, sorry, not even one ESPN reporter. It'll be like ESPN sends out uh, the memo that's like, "Hey, everybody post about this and tweet about it." And it's like you see 30 different things pop up. It's it's very annoying. Yep, yep, yep. All right, that's going to do it for us this week. We will be back next week to recap the then four and one Tennessee Titans. Excuse me, three and one. I got a little too ahead of myself. It, it'll take them two weeks to get to four and one. 
Um, this is fun listening to you jinx us, by the way. <laughs> I, I, definitely, I definitely don't hate it hey, a bunch and wish you would I, stop. I don't have special powers, <laughs> unlike Matias, so I'm in, I'm in good shape. Uh, okay. <laughs> until next time, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke, reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. Ready for a career in behavioral health? Earn your online degree at Herzing University. Choose from health and human services, psychology, or social work programs. Gain the skills to work, coordinate, and manage nonprofits. Secure a bachelor's in psychology to study mental health or advance your social work career through our online Masters of Social Work. Let us help you become a social change agent. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Text HEALTH to 85109. That's HEALTH to 85109. Or visit herzing.edu. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.